0: Albums for the Apocalypse, Albums for
1: the Apocalypse. One, two, buckle my shield. Hello, and welcome to Albums for the Apocalypse, the podcast where myself and my ever present co host Jack. Hello. Decide which albums we are going to save from the inevitable apocalypse. Uh, on today's episode, we are talking about albums under the theme Summer Albums. So, the album's best for the beach, lying in your garden with a can of carling, driving down to Cornwall, whatever you're doing in the summer. Well, I mean, this summer you're probably just spending it indoors, but typical summers. Um, Jack, what did you pick for this week?
0: I went for the album Skin uh, by Flume
1: good little bit of choice, we've got quite a varied one
0: I chose NERD
1: in search of and then our guest pick slash listener pick this week uh, was Imagine Dragons, shit sorry I mean Bastille, uh, Bad Blood uh, as picked by the wonderful Owen Hill
0: He came uh, back he, he came his, back. His name in the podcast again get, He's
1: getting his claws in I'll oh, yeah. just start naming him in the uh, credits at some point
0: yeah.
1: uh, Before we dive yeah. in Jack, how's your week been?
0: Been alright? Good. Um, some of you might hear I'm a little hungover today. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed making the most of the new relaxed guidelines last night by having some beers at a barbecue and it ended up getting a little bit out of hand. But, <laughs> you know, these, these things happen. It's been a right week. Yeah, yourself?
1: Yeah, not too bad. A um, bit pissed off that the week we chose summer albums. I know, yeah. It's been What's the a worst week that? of lockdown.
0: Like, I know what's going on with that. It's so annoying, but um, I don't know. Another week ticked off in it, really. Yeah, get getting in that there slowly. Feels. <laughs> Let's just tick these weeks off, get them done. Um, and then hopefully things will look up soon. Although who knows? Yeah, who knows? But yeah, it's been a fun week actually. I enjoyed listening to these. Other than this, I've listened to last night at the barbecue. Ended up real journey back in time. Some eighties, some BGs. Um, some Stevie Wonder bit of Tony Christie was on for a proper, little bit
1: proper throwbacks going on yeah it was
0: a serious wine back in the wine back in the clocks um, but yeah what else do I listen to I actually went through a little because of the songs the albums I ended up listening to some stuff that kind of so when we get to Bastille I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about um, we talked on the first episode about how I'm probably more into indie and that kind of stuff than you, yeah. So I went to listen to some of the other indie records that were released around that time, um, and yeah, that was quite fun listening to some good nostalgia.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had quite a mix this week in terms of genres. I think probably one of our more varied weeks. I'd yeah. go as far to say. Um, yeah. But or yeah, I, I listen. I was. I've been had the run the jewels record on. I was
0: going to say I listened to that a fair bit at the start. Of the yeah,
1: um, but I tend to like ease out my listening to. It sounds really bad to say, but listening to to good albums or like albums that I love, whilst we do, whilst we're doing the podcast, because it does leave like set a standard for what you're listening to. So, or, yeah. or what I tend to do is I tend to go in for like palate cleansers and stuff. So. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday is my free days. Yeah. I can
0: listen to whatever and I want. Then,
1: when I'm doing like these palette cleansers in between, listen to the albums and stuff, I tend to stick something on that's completely different. So this week I'll yeah. be listening to like quite a bit of heavy stuff in between these summer albums. Yeah. Especially because it's been pissing it down with rain. So it hasn't really been a summery vibe.
0: No, I not really feel. Some of these albums, especially, felt quite weird listening to while watching the rain smash into my windows. Yeah. Um,
1: Going for a walk with your anorak on and. Yeah, Coming back with sodden shoes. Not quite the same, is it? It uh, doesn't oh. quite have the same vibe. All right, I think that's, that's it for the intro.
0: Um, On to the first album, I guess. Sounds good. So album number one was picked by myself, and it was, as I said, Flume with Skin. Um, So, Flume is the Australian artist, well, Australian project of a guy called Harley Stretton, I think, something like that, Um, and this was released in May 2016, so actually that's based the start of the Australian winter, um, but it went on to be the kind of definitive album of that Australian summer, so 2016-17. Went gold in the US, platinum in Australia, but just didn't really seem to hit here. I speak spoke to a lot of my English mates about this, and half of them have really only heard maybe one of the singles, and that was it. Yeah, um, um,
1: our, the only flume thing I've listened to is is, is the mixtape he put out last year.
0: Yeah, um, which, get,
1: which, which which I'll get onto, but I really like that. So I was quite yeah. intrigued to go into this and see this.
0: So it's the kind of so his style, if you're not familiar, is basically wonky electronic kind of. Um, that's his, like, I guess, his go-to.
1: I like the description, wonky. I, well, I, put, I, I put avant-garde on nuanced, but wonky works as well.
0: It is. Wonky is the term. I literally looked this up, because uh, I don't know how you describe this kind of music that well. So Weird. I Googled it. That's what it said, was, yeah. like, is the wobbling. Um, before we go, I'll go into some sentimental stuff about it soon, because that is important when we talk about summer albums, like, when it's such kind of broad topic the sentiment is a big factor i think but just to talk about it on more of a musical level um it was actually built out from textures so he basically got a film fx pack and started making all these weird like sounds and like they are again i feel weird saying the word textures but that is how you describe it yeah
1: it's it's a sample driven almost yeah obviously it's not sampling previously done sounds but it's the way it builds these soundscapes are through dropping individual samples rather than beats
0: and so he's built these. He's built these songs, and some of them, especially that most of the instrumental songs, um, you can really hear that, like Wolfuck. You can seriously hear that he's kind of a. That's a great name for a song, um, Wolfuck. But B, he's also gone and kind of got these sound effects and turned them into, um, turn them into what is quite like a big built-out track. Um, sadly, I don't think it works on all of them. I think some of them are left a little bit. I'm just going to say weird, but also a little bit hollow because of that. Um, I think, I don't know, this was a massive album for him though, like in terms of his career. So it was worked out to be somewhat of a breakout into more of an international scene for him instead of, he'd already been quite big in Australia. He worked with the like project of What's So Not, which is another, um, I guess, DJ project. It was him and another guy, but it's just the other guy now. I forgot what his name is, but yeah, yeah. and then from after this came out, he went and worked on Melodrama just across the Tasman Sea with Lord. So he's got a production credit on that, which is massively acclaimed album. Um, he worked on Big Fish Theory with Vince Staples, who features on this, um, to run quickly through the features as well. I think they're really pretty solid features. So you have Vince Staples, Vic Mensa, um both of their verses I thought were pretty good, not amazing. I always feel a little bit uncomfortable when I see something like that on an album like this. I just want—I wonder whether they're putting everything into it. Rayquan though, definitely did. I really liked that um, verse from him. Well, his—I guess his whole track was good.
1: Yeah, I, I really like the um, rap production or the rap songs on this, as you were. Yeah. Uh, but that's, i think that's a lot of that's my we'll get onto a bit with any idea as well but my nuance my stuff the style of rap that i tend to go for production wise is either this very old school quite raw vibe or these very nuanced avant-garde production styles so we mentioned around the jewels in the intro uh, yeah. obviously vince staples is a huge one for that yeah. weird, like weird weird yeah. electronic production styles. you've got someone like danny brown as well um that yeah. tends to be where i like really like enjoy listening to my rap music so the vince staples or Aquan, even the vic Mensa one i actually really enjoyed and found. Is,
0: yeah, I enjoyed all of them. I just feel like the Raekwon one sticks out a little bit more. It's a bit
1: different to the others as well. It's a bit slower paced. Not in a yeah. bad way, but like the way it's structured. And it's, well.
0: it's a cla- it sounds like it could... This is always... It's a hard line to draw because you never want a feature to dominate a track, but this sounds like it could be one of his own tracks. With that... It's got well, that I think with
1: of this style of electronic music, a feature is always going to be key. Uh, particularly yeah. when when on this yeah. album, he's definitely pushing for that slightly poppier style of electronic music. I look at um, you know the big songs, you? You've you? Got stuff from like Tape Tobler and what, and Beck was even on yeah. and stuff like that. So, it's, yeah. yeah, the
0: Beck, uh, the Beck, I don't really think. Is no,
1: no I, 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 didn't really like that one. You right
0: went there. through a phase of featuring on a lot of albums around this time, so twenty sixteen. This is when he won
1: the Grammy for Best Album, I think. Yeah,
0: and it around that time. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like it much. Um, so I guess. To talk more on the sentimental side, um, this, I actually lived in Australia when this album was released. I was, actually I had just moved there just after it came out and it was literally everywhere you went was this being played. Um, And it all kind of accumulated towards, so in Australia they have this thing called the Hottest 100. Um, It's run by their equivalent of Radio 1. It's called Triple J. It's like the, young person's music station i guess you'd say and every year people vote for their you put in 10 tracks as your vote and then they basically obviously compile them turn into a top 100 songs of people's for the year so um and it all gets like read out as a countdown it used to be on australia day but then because of the i guess um the fact that that's basically celebrating the murder of indigenous people they decided to swap it to the day after which is a a good decision and b makes it such an unbelievably good day like you just sit there and drink from like 10 a.m listening to the best songs that year i wish we had something like it in the uk because it really does just celebrate music like as much as all australian bands was it no no so this is something else like i think at one point we did mention we might do an australian theme so without going too much into that australians are very proud of their own music so this hot 100 ends up being at least probably fifty oh, percent. Yeah, possibly. it's very
1: in, in all genres. It's a very isolated scene typically. Yeah, like bands could be playing arenas in Australia, but only two hundred size clubs in the UK sort of thing. a lot, a lot like Asia and stuff like that as well. It's it's got because of where it is as well. It's quite isolated.
0: Yeah, that's like um for example a band I saw Ocean Alley, I saw them play at the Electric Ballroom, and there was it was pretty tiny obviously. That's about that's so about played, a thousand cap. I think yeah they played stadiums. They play stadiums in the in our odds it's crazy um but yeah so this was number one in the hottest 100 of, of that year of 2016 this not this sorry, this uh never be like you was number one it was the most voted for song ever at that point i think it might still be still be 2.2 million votes australia is a country of 26 million people it's yes, mental That's quite a lot of votes um So yeah, that was pretty impressive. And then uh, they had Say It came eighth, I think. And then Smoke Retribution came 37th. And this is a big deal. Like in Australia, like if you can pack in, if an album's big, it will get one or two in the top 10. This got two. Um, And then getting another one in the top 50, so 37th. That's like big. Like this Hottest 100 carries weight. So this shows like, it was the first uh electronic song as well to be a number one which is pretty big um it represented this album itself almost represented like a shift in australian music to some extent because it had been like very indian rock dominated and now not only do they have like this really growing rap scene um which i'm not completely sold on but some of it is pretty good um, they have also got obviously lots of big producers coming so they've got Hermitude, who not not many people would have heard of, but they're really big there and they're good. Um, Rufus de Soul, who are quite big, they obviously kind of one of the larger exports, and in that fits kind of Flume, and this was like a big sign of that change happening. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, listening back to it, I really I really enjoyed it. It just reminded me of that summer, like being obviously in Australia. I think. It just had a sentiment that you wouldn't get here. Um, and part of that is associated with the National Pride. So, yeah, what did you think?
1: Uh, so, my relationship with Flume, as I kind of said, is I listened to his mixtape that he put I didn't it was, I thought it was an album until I went back to look at it and realised it was labelled as a mixtape from last year. And my relationship with Flume is definitely that like, I prefer his weirder stuff. Um, and that's my sort of typical taste on this wobbly style as Jack... It of um electronic music, so one of my favorite albums of the last few years, um, was released by this producer, uh, come uh, record her debut, Sophie. Um, she put out a phenomenal record, she's actually done Vince Staples as well on Big Fish Theory as well. And he she actually Mm -hmm. collabed with Flume on that mixtape. Um, but that's sort of like you said, that's slightly weirder stuff I do like. So there were parts on this, I was like, oh, this is quite good. Um, so I wasn't sure whether you were criticizing or not, but I really liked Wolfuck a um, bit weird a yeah, no, bit, that, bit yeah. more avant-garde um, my criticism was throughout i think he was always a bit he always seemed a bit hesitant on this record with his weirdest stuff it wasn't like it was pushed to the fore- forefront all the time no which left me wanting a lot more i can see it being a really good gateway album to the weirder stuff of electronic music especially um like because it is a definitely more accessible it's a bit more toned down on the weirder stuff it's there but it's not as in your face and jarring as it can sometimes be and jarring in a good way that is that's not in a bad way that's a what the fuck am i listening to all this is quite good sort of thing yeah um i think the poppy songs apart from like like we said the beck song i think the Tovlo song's okay but they're not quite as good as the like american counterparts have if that makes sense in terms of like this this standard that's set for like the calvin harris the diplo yeah. etc um they don't quite hit those heights uh, which again, I, quite, left,
0: I do like how he blends his style with that though. but
1: again that's what I was going to say is like it's it's still not straightforward it's still got weirder stuff yeah, um, and then that's my preference in preferring it to be a, even more weirder I suppose, which is where it kind of comes to that middle ground where you've got to acknowledge that if this was someone's gateway in in Australia or even wherever into electronic music, this is a really good start into being into going towards a more experimental Um, More, I don't want to say artistic, but that style of um, stuff where they are—it is a lot less mainstream-focused and a lot more on just creating cool stuff. Yeah, but I I did like it. I think it was a bit long for me personally, but I think that's a lot to do with it being a bit more watered down than I'd like. It wasn't as off the wacky and wobbly. Any Ws wonky, wobbly, wacky, weird—all the Ws. um,
0: I actually spoke to a few. Like, I think as I said earlier, like to get the real context of this album, it's important to understand that kind of relationship it has with like Australia at the time. And like, although this went big in us in the U S and that's a big factor of where Flume is now, when you look at the stuff he's producing now, he is that brave kind of, like you said, he's, he has basically embraced that kind of crazy stuff. Um, And I really like what he's done since, but to understand it, I spoke to a lot of my Australian mates. So, Um, I spoke to my mate Rory, my mate Beck, and um, her mate Georgette also helped out. And basically, they were, like, talking to me about how, I guess, in their minds, this was, like, his, almost, like, his big explosion. Because, like, he was playing so many festivals there for ages. Like, he would just be at every festival for, like, the early teens, the early tens, I guess you'd call them. And um, then he went away for a bit and suddenly out of nowhere dropped um, Never Be Like You and that just like went off. Um, so he came back and kind of this just dominated. And I think for them, like they said, it was like, a, um, like they just associated it with celebrating that like summer. And I remember seeing so many videos and like, I actually flew home two days before this Hottest 100. So I've been there for another Hottest 100, but not this one. And all my like, Instagram and Snapchat stories were just this, like when that played for, for, as number one, they'd be like you, it was just everywhere. Um, yeah. it's. I mean, it's just like a quite a special, I think if, if we had something like that, it would be a special moment. I can, yeah, I can I imagine can if we that. had something like that for UK music.
1: I can see that. I mean, like I said, it's a bit of a gateway album. I think when I, when I first listened to this, obviously never having listened to it before, I mean, I'd heard, I'd briefly heard the singles recognised them, but nothing major. Um, and obviously listened to his, Previous mixtape. The first note that I actually put down was, it was like it's it's the musical equivalent of taking your first pill at Reading Festival. Yeah. Like it is one of those albums that I mean I mentioned it before. It's a gateway album. Like it is definitely one of these things where it's you kind of listen to it, and if you've been used to the Diplo Calvin Harris style of pop music or that uh, dance, poppy dance music,
0: you listen, you to the different, different. Yeah, it, it, it takes
1: it. Yeah, a bit more out there, and it pop definitely would have. I can definitely see it as being. I don't, know whether, I don't know whether "seminal" is the right word, but it was. Um, a, I don't want to use "gateway" again, but I'll, sort of that sort of record for people to get into electronic music, whether it be techno, or, you know, EDM yeah. stuff, anything that's a bit more than just say standard sort of the standard yeah, like, American poppy so dance.
0: So something else, I guess, is like they mentioned. Um, my mates mentioned that, like, obviously they had the same as us. They had controller and one dance. That whole Views album from Drake was huge. Obviously. But then like to go with it and this is a very Australian thing, like to go with it, they had the big Australian album as well. Obviously this this was that. Like whereas I just don't think we have a similar, I guess, national not national pride maybe, but that kind of inward looking style at times. Whereas like I don't think we would often embrace one of our own in that way. Whereas like they really do. They're always like focusing on. Yeah, I'm awesome. trying to think
1: I'm trying to think if we've had an album that's been I mean, like relevant to the to the extent that this is, I think. Like obviously there's a lot of albums that have come out which are hugely critically framed. I mean, we've spoke about the Dave album stuff, but to the extent in the mainstream. Yeah, I don't, in terms yeah. of an influence. Thing, for
0: me, on, yeah, that's the difference as well. Like this was like mainstream, as we said, like obviously came number one was the odd number one album as well.
1: Um Yeah, I think I think that's definitely something you need to give it huge credit for. Um, like I said, it's not I probably won't go back and listen to it. Um, If I'm being honest, uh, but that's, I mean, it had songs on there which I did really like. Um,
0: yeah, see, I I do listen to this album a fair bit already because obviously I have that relationship with it. Um, so again, I think that also means that it probably does not sound different, but you know what I mean? Like, I have a different relationship with it because of that. You've got Um, um, the
1: like the time and stuff like that, and
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I have to say, um, Gio pointed this out the cover art is so good on this. I think it's so sick. I did a bit of research into it. It's this Aussie guy called Jonathan Zawada. And he like create, it's insane. He creates like flowers in 3D printing. He like 3D images, creates a whole 3D flower and then uses that to take a photo. And like all the covers for all the singles, are the same concept. And I think most of them are kind of indigenous Australian, uh, Australian flowers. So it was like a kind of nod to. to um, that stuff.
1: Yeah, I, no, I, I really liked it. It was a very um, sleek cover as well
0: yeah right. it's cool he this is the thing as well like that's quite big for artists like because obviously he's gone on to be quite big globally now there's always this thing like um geo put of like they want to cut down the tallest poppy in australia like they see the success and they kind of see it as like tame impala for example Yeah. they just kind of they don't play much in australia anymore they've kind of lost that association they're basically based out they're completely based out in the u.s um and it's like to them I think Australians like definitely one of my other mates Liam he was saying he feels like it's like Tame Impala have kind of just left Australia behind and they just outgrown it and they just don't which is a shame so I think it's important to see even though it's so subtle it's just like an album cover it's important to see that like he still values that market and like that um yeah appreciates where he came from and and obviously, yeah. that
1: was shown in his in the success in Australia as well.
0: I think. Yeah, because that is the thing as well. Like, it is only twenty six million people. Like, that is the goal for most Australian musicians. Yeah, I, I mean,
1: like you said, to get yeah. what, essentially ten percent of the votes. Yeah, you've assumed that some of the—I mean, assume some of those would be doubles, but like ten percent of the votes. Of yeah, the country, not everyone
0: votes. Ten percent
1: of the country to vote for you.
0: Yeah, and that's not even that's not even like not everyone country votes. Probably, I guess, probably maybe. 5 million people vote yeah and
1: then you would assume some people would have double voted and whatnot but like even yeah. still that's yeah. the numbers the numbers alone speak for themselves um
0: yeah it's pretty insane so yeah i think that's kind of covered it pretty well i really like this album i'm glad that i got the chance to listen to it and talk a bit more about it um i hope that in in the future i think we're going to do a week where we talk about australian albums
1: yeah we probably will so, um, it's
0: quite, um quite an interesting yeah, yeah that'll be fun to talk a lot about music scene that obviously is quite, uh, quite niche, but also quite like, for, especially for someone like myself who's like spent a lot of time there. It's really, uh, really interesting. But yeah, I think that is. Yeah. It's been done. Awesome. On to album number two. And up
1: next we have Nerd in Search of. Uh, this is the debut record um, of. N.E.R.D. Funk rock group originally, and I'll say probably only on this album would you consider them straight up funk rock. I think their sound definitely changes beyond this. Um, The most famous member of this, if you didn't know, would be Pharrell Williams. Um, This was before he was happy uh, and all that stuff. This is before he started wearing a silly hat. Um, But before N.E.R.D., there was the Neptunes, which were a production duo between Pharrell and Chad Hugo. Uh, They would often guest on hip-hop tracks and do guest production so Pharrell will do guest vocals a uh, bunch there and it was kind of late 90s early noughties um that this was all happening alongside this NERD project um finally it was made up with Shay Haley um who's was the guitarist I think oh, but essentially they're, they're just a little trio that made up this sort of group of wanting to make their own songs rather than producing others um I suppose before we dive into the album I'll just quickly mention a few of the artists that the Neptunes and Pharrell have worked with. So you get an idea of why, when we mention the sound's quite different to what you'd expect, um, you get an idea. So Neptunes were producers on Britney. They did Justin Timberlake's Justified, which is an unreal album. Uh, they worked on Drop It Like It's Hot, uh, did a f- quite a few with Jay-Z. Um, and then Pharrell's done uh, probably most notable for, or maybe his best work as a producer, I'd say is Gwen Stefani's debut, Love Angel Music Baby. Yeah. Uh, and all this was obviously around, like we said, the late 90s, early noughties, uh, when there was a quite a varied style of pop music and hip-hop and rap coming in, because it was obviously this, and then you end up with this funk-rock style, released in 2001, but re-released in 2002 um, Yeah, this. And the reason I picked this was because it it is a summer album, although it has an edge to it, I think but it being from Sort of Pharrell and from that style, it definitely has a chilled out vibe, despite being reasonably dancey, in terms yeah. of like its pace and its beat and the funk to it. I
0: think any you... opportunity to talk about Pharrell is, is yeah, the like, old school Pharrell. Before, yeah, I think
1: this album is often forgotten about purely because it doesn't sound like like I mentioned anything. I, I
0: love. Don't be honest, I like a lot of what Pharrell does now, but I think people forget how significant he was back then. Like oh, this he, is he, when he was he involved was in everything. a lot of major yeah. cultural things he was like you think about so he he basically was founding billionaires boys club the clothing brand around now around this time um he was he had his own skate team the ice cream skate team um he was like collaborating and producing so many major albums yeah. so as i well mean like i said
1: britney spears gwen pop. stefani justin yeah. timberlake three of the it, biggest pop stars of the early noughties yeah, that's think, pharrell williams like that's And then i
0: remember when happy was out and everyone's like oh who's this pharrell guy And it was like, I don't don't want to
1: talk about Happy because I despise that song. Yeah, yeah,
0: I know, yeah. But he'd secretly been like, well, not secretly, but just been quietly kind of building some of the most important cultural. Yeah, the
1: noughties, like, huge. Um, He was definitely a, I mean, it was always kind of a thing, but definitely a factor in the style, like, the, it comes quite a lot in underground culture. So with sort of rap, punk, rock music, when it is that slightly more underground, is the, Um, fashion side of things and i Mm. think particularly with pharrell and N.E.R.D., they had a fashion which was like you mentioned akin to skating and skating was actually quite akin to punk rock and stuff like that so this was i feel an album that definitely uh breached that sort of
0: i think if you look in general at the the convergence of both the like i guess grunge and punk rock genre and rap Skating is at the core of that because that was where all of the kind of meetups were happening. That was where like, I mean, one of my favorite films is mid nineties by Jonah Hill. And that kind of captures it really well. Like this, this was just the time when so many, all these different aspects of culture, including like obviously skating has a lot of influence from surf culture. were just being blended together in everywhere. And we see it still today, like in fashion, still in a lot of music, um, is yeah, I think like people often don't realize quite how important like skating, as just like as simple as that sounds, but like skating you know, is 100%. Like, so,
1: so, like, um, what was Tyler the Creators Festival called in? This is com- a complete, Femme Femme that's Femme it. Femme. He had like um, punk and hardcore bands playing that festival because they knew each other from the Cali skate scene and stuff like that, which yeah. is which then which, that's literally what it is it's just it's a and this album is kind of an amalgamation of that in the sense that it has these rough, raw, slightly aggressive edges of the punk rock that you would say, while still having the beat and the danceability of hip-hop R&B. Yeah, it's got
0: really hip-hop beats.
1: Oh, huge. Um, yeah, I, I just absolutely adore this record. And I think you mentioned it a bit before, but it is like the, what if you were to meet in the middle for our music
0: tastes, I think this record would be it. Yeah, um, if you had a Venn diagram of our music tastes this is literally going to be bang on in the middle i wouldn't say any idea as a
1: whole because they do after this album tend to go a bit more they don't lose the funk edges but they definitely lose the rawness like the drums being quite high in the mix and yeah. and like the slight subtle guitar works and stuff but i i mean this yeah i absolutely adore this record um we mentioned how it's been quite unique. They play their own instruments. I, th- I want to say, I think it was Chad Hugo learned to play the guitar on this because they wanted to be a bit more yeah. funk rock. And then when you listen to the guitars on this, this isn't like basic guitar playing. This is weird and a bit off the wall. Yeah, um, they're, they're a hugely, hugely talented trio. Um, and I mean, that's shown in all their albums, to be fair. But there's just something about this that is raw and like we said, quite fresh, which is good for Summer in that sense, which is why I quite like listening to yeah.
0: it. I mean, there are so many tracks on this we could pick out. Um, I really enjoyed Bobby James. I liked the extension on that, and I liked the way he flipped the beat on it right at the end and like took it in another direction. Often I find when, maybe this is just me, but I find a lot of the time when there's extensions on tracks, I always wonder, like, did you need to do that? Like, you could have just ended it there. Yeah, but this, I really enjoyed it on um rockstar i like that because that was again rockstar as a, as a song it's, like a mix. it's one of the hardest songs ever um
1: yeah uh so it comes in after one of the slower songs well slower pace i wouldn't say it's a slow song in am i high um so it's a slightly slower more chilled out song
0: yeah
1: and then you just it ends and then you just get the fucking poses yeah. and it just kicks love- in and it's like it that's like um I mean, I consider it one of the hardest fucking songs ever written. If I'm being honest, then just, it has the it comes loading
0: and... vocals as well mixed yeah. in with the like, still like, I guess I would say regular vocals, but like, but yeah,
1: it's yeah. and oh, the, it's... the drumming on it as well because it's fast-paced, it's like punchy.
0: Oh, yeah. I like say We talk a bit about we talked a bit when we earlier we were discussing flu, and we talked about like, I guess. um, semblance and stuff and i think you know when you listen to that flume album you think of what well, i at least think of like sitting in the garden with a beer and like being ready for a big day or a big night out or something you listen to this and you just kind of it almost does take you back in time to like what it would have been like in that time like carrying around the nokia and it's like, car- cargo skate. shorts and a- yeah and literally every day you're going to the skate park because that is where the only place where things happen and a torn
1: up black metallica t-shirt that everyone's wearing and stuff like that
0: yeah it's it's pretty cool. I yeah, I really enjoyed listening to that album.
1: Yeah, lot. I mean, there's so much on it. I mean, I think people know songs. I think Lap Dance is probably one of the biggest songs on it. Um, the opening track. Uh, people probably know. Uh, I do kind of want to mention that we say this is often forgotten. It's even forgotten in Nerd sort of territory, uh, yeah. because you've obviously got the albums Fly or Die and then the most recent one have definitely hit the mainstream a bit more. And even Nerd themselves only play two songs off this record live. Which
0: yeah, I mean. I think it's also worth noting that the features on this the like levels have changed completely like they went from on this they had obviously um i think they're killis Alyssa and Pusha T on True. truth or dare which is a huge yeah. song that's a big big song yeah so good anything Pusher T involved tends to be pretty good um and then
1: it's pretty much it they had lee harvey on uh, yeah, major.
0: but then like their most recent album had ed sheeran two kendrick features man. like it's, it's easy to see yeah, how that album was just so much more in the mainstream and that's definitely when
1: i mean while they were obviously doing all this production work pharrell and chad and as a neptunes or individually were doing all this production work with huge artists they were still quite people didn't quite know what they could do themselves yet as mm. a thing and this was definitely came out as like a statement as like we're not going to come out and do a pop record we're not going to come out and yeah. do a rap record that sounds like Jay-Z or this. We're going to come out and do our complete own thing. We're it's to... almost
0: like their way of saying we're not going to go in the box that I think you guys want us to go in. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's, yeah, perfect.
1: I, I Yeah, like I said, I love it. It's fast-paced, but it's not too fast-paced that it's a bit over the top. It's um, dancey. It's got nice pacing to it. So like we said with Am I High and Provider, where yeah. it's slow, it slows down a bit, but it doesn't go to a slow song as such. Um,
0: yeah, very listenable. Oh, very, very yeah, listenable. hugely. Yeah, um, it's not going to give you kind of
1: a headache. It flies by when you're listening to it. Um, yeah, honestly, like it's, I think I would go as far to say this is one of the best things Pharrell has been involved in, considering his, um, and think about the songs I mentioned, the albums and songs I mentioned. Um, and yeah, I and Rockstar will always be one of the hardest songs ever written, I think, in terms of like, you don't have to be heavy to be aggressive, and the way it comes in oh, yeah. is—I think that fucking poses is fucking iconic. And the fact they don't perform that bit live really pisses me off. <laughs> They—they don't—they introduce it with "You can't be me," I'm black light like, intro, rather than going just straight in with fucking poses. You should do that. It, it makes That's me want to—it makes me want to kick people. Like <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
1: okay, it I is like
0: might have that effect on me, but fair
1: enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just yeah, I, I love it, and it's one of these things. If you do like. Any idea? If you do like that slightly more old school rap production as well, where it's a bit more well, instrument yeah. based,
0: you I'd say go. For, like, if you're into your hip hop and you're into your like, um, I guess if you're into your rap, even yeah, this and, this, like, and,
1: and if you're not massively into it, but you like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, give this a go. Yeah, yeah. Um, it awesome. hasn't got the it hasn't got the slap bass of Flea in it, but this style of songwriting, the guitar style is, similar. The, the guitar style is very similar. On yeah. I mentioned it, Provider Truth or Dare. It's got that. It's very subtle in the background, sort of guitar style, where it's not necessarily the lead. And the lead is from the rhythm section, yeah. which is typical of funk rock. Um, yeah, uh, honestly, this is just, I think this is one of those albums you've just got to dive in if you like any ideas.
0: What did interest me is the fact they had two releases, and I couldn't find anywhere. Yeah, I, so,
1: I, so the first release in 2001 was apparently a bit more electronic, and then they changed yeah. to funk rock style. Yeah. Um, I know you can get it out there somewhere, because I've seen it when I've been trying to buy the vinyl, because um, there's different covers on it as well. yeah. Uh, but,
0: I, I was trying to find it I want to listen to it but I couldn't find it um, yes
1: um, it's really which is quite annoying and I imagine the first release would have sounded a bit more like Fly or Die in their later albums where it has yeah. a, um, a few more electronic samples on it over the top of the funk rock sound um, yeah I mean I'd just say it's just one of these albums I think this this might go down as my favourite Pharrell album if you're looking at his, his work as a whole um, but again that's kind of music taste wise if you're looking at like I said, Gwen Stefani, Love Angel Music, Baby, Justified, even other N.E.R.D. albums are fucking brilliant. Yeah. Like it's, um, but this is just raw. It's not self indulgent. It's just, this is us. Uh, you thought we were just producers that could do the odd guest vocal on a track and guest bit here or there, but we can oh, actually yeah. make our own music and make it really bloody well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I've said it a lot. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think. As a summer album as well, it kind of, it does just work. Cause like I say, you can just picture it with like that, those summer days. Yeah. You I, just, you know, I, I mean, I was so going to write this
1: down, but um, as Jack mentioned in another podcast, I don't drive, but it's definitely this driving down the Cali coast sort of stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Top I down
1: in a, something like that sort of.
0: A pretty beaten old Ford.
1: Yeah. With your, you know, cargo shorts on your skateboard in the back sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe not even driving, maybe just skating. Just skating, yeah. Just doing doing, a little downhill skating.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, amazing. All right, I guess we'll go on to our favourite pick of the week.
0: Yeah, third and final album coming up. So, third and final album this week, suggested by Owen Hill um, via our live draw. It wasn't, you know, taken... We didn't pick it because he was the guest. So live draw obviously every week is done on Wednesdays. Um, and this week drawn was blood Blood, the debut album from Bastille um, released in 2013. It went straight to UK number one in the album chart. It's been three times platinum in the UK, one times platinum in uh, the US. It's, it's hard to listen back to this album and I think really see quite how it was that su- I mean, I kind of can see how it was that successful, but like to put it in perspective in the same year, in my mind, one of the best albums ever, I'm obviously this is biased, but is AM. And that was released same year. And that's only one more times, like it's only four times platinum compared to this. So that's some perspective on this. Um, I think... For me this represents a lot of the problems that indie music has had in this decade um firstly i I know amos has got a rant building so i'm just gonna get my little rant out the way first um if anyone can give me an example of an indie band that have kind of actually gone on to release multiple good albums in this decade i would like to hear it i mean I know a lot of people may point to foals and I really like foals, but I would describe them more as alt rock than indie rock. Um, they're not really doing anything. I guess I would put in the indie category. Um, this is obviously indie pop, but it's kind of, they started off, I think their thing was trying to be this like choral vocal and mixing it in with the kind of big guitars and stuff like that. And it just kind of, it, I don't know, it, if you look at, I, I can't even, I went and listened to some of their newer stuff, right? Because I'd never heard of any of their newer stuff. Like, have you heard of any of it? They did a song with Marshmallow. I didn't know that. So I went and listened to some. It's it, Honestly, it's terrible. It's like, they just went and used all the synths and stuff. And I feel like that's become the pattern now in indie rock. is it's like an indie indie music, indie pop is like, right, here's what we're going to do that's different. So we're going to do it once. And then we're just going to kind of, keep doing it over and over or like like you think of all the album, all the bands that had massive debut albums like i can think of peace um catfish and the Bottlemen, and i know a lot of people love them but i'm just saying they released the same song over and over and over and i've made two albums out of that so um i don't know i just it frustrates me because i think at the start of this decade indie rock was really big and indie pop was big and like You think about, like, I referred to AM earlier. AM was a great example of how big that side of music was. And just, like, you had other bands doing the same thing around the same time. You have, like, Bombay Bicycle Club, who have managed to somehow hold on. I don't know, their new album, I actually like it, but I know it wasn't as popular. And you have, like, Two Door Cinema Club, for example. What All their recent stuff, I'm going to be honest, I don't like much of it at all. Again, they tried to go down that line of adding a lot of electronic stuff, and it just doesn't really work for me. And this just falls in that category again. And I think their first album for a debut album is really impressive. Dan Smith has gone and written a debut album that's gone straight to number one, gone three times platinum, headlined so many big festivals as a result. But I think now is going to be time where I have to pass over to Amos, and he is going to tell us what he thinks. i
1: will be biting my tongue throughout all of that. I was just trying not to... I I just despise this record. It's it, it's not even like bad. That's the thing. It's not even bad. It's it's just boring. It's dreadful. It's boring. It's one-paced. He tries. He writes the same fucking hook for every song, and it's just him yeah. saying the same word or syllable three times in a row, and that's the fucking hook. That's not how you fucking do it. You can't do it for a whole fucking album. Like. I'm trying to, trying to do this in a more constructive way uh, rather than just saying it's like eating cardboard and the, the Gary Barlow of bands. But they are like the first month of lockdown was even more interesting than this album. Um, I, I'm just so one of the things I haven't said on this podcast, but the worst critic, the worst mark you can give an album, I think, is five out of ten. Because if you give an album one out of ten, it means that it's so shit that it's actually kind of interesting that you want to listen to it. You obviously get more than five. It's, whereas a five out of ten just means it's boring. It's got no fucking merit to it. It's instantly forgettable. You can chuck it in the bin. Move yeah. on to the next one. And that's literally what it is. Um, they got compared to Coldplay, for example. When you get comp- compared to Coldplay and you're in twenty, was it thirteen, twenty twelve? You know it's pretty shit. It's honestly this. I'm trying not to lose my shit on this because it was. It's just boring like it is it's the and same song I know, over again to
0: clarify, i know there are going to be a lot of listeners that are going to be saying like but i really like this album don't get me wrong pompeii oh. is an iconic song of that summer and and there are exactly. a lot of songs that do have importance and like on their own i like really i really enjoyed re listening to a couple of these but as an album it literally listens like the there's just like, like you say, cardboard is the best way of describing it. It's just like, it,
1: it's just, it there's is nothing different going it's on.
0: Boring, it's, it's, here's another track with choral vocals and a bit of synth and some guitars. Here's another track with choral. I'd vocals. rather
1: have sand in my fucking genitals than listen to this album again. The lyrics, like... the,
0: they're literally, the lyrics are that, like, they're kind of nothingness. I get it on Icarus, he kind of tries to refer to alcohol abuse and that kind of stuff, and that's you know, interesting, but the depth of the lyrics as well there's nothing nothing going on it's like i don't know
1: it's, it's just i oh, it's just horrendous and i think it's something when i looked i was like how the fuck did this get so big and you mentioned it a bit but like i looked up sort of was was dominating the charts in the early tens for the british mainstream industry predominantly like the x factor sort of stars and stuff like that yeah. so this probably sounded like led zeppelin to the people that listen to radio 1 and yeah, shit like that yeah that is
0: true as well yeah like, different-
1: and 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 the thing is i also i was like i can't be it was so i when we do our research, this is so successful. You know, you've got to give it credit there. But can I, how can an album this shit on a debut album? As well? It's not like it's a established band releasing a shit album and they've just got loyal fans. This is a debut record that is just dreadful and boring. Gets so much mainstream success. Even the critics didn't like it. It was no, getting yeah. like two star, five out of ten, stuff like that. Um, great quote, like fifty-two or something. Yeah, great quote from NME was, "It's got about as much identity as a Facebook commentator without a profile picture." Yeah, that's it, right, it, yeah. like that's, that sums it up. It, it's just got nothing to it. There's no emotion in the way he sings. There's nothing in the way the it's all put together. It's just tamped down. It's boring. It's timid. Um, it is. It's, 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 it's exactly really. the reason why I don't like indie music. It is, this is like the epitome of why I never really go into it because so much of it, especially modern times, is this timid, we're afraid to be offensive, we're afraid to be And when
0: we talked about independent releases, um, I want to go back to that comment you said just in a sec, but when we talked about independent releases and we did that episode, this is an example of what happens when a major label takes on someone who has a big idea, so Dan Smith, clearly very smart, very creative guy. They've taken him on and he's produced this and you think I think he could probably do something way better. But you look at eight, and then you look at the stuff he's done since. This is what happens: big company. Yeah. I, I,
1: like, I, I don't like ever like attacking someone's integrity, but there's definitely that you can tell there's definitely a pressure to produce a big single for this, and he, yeah. which is why he's literally written the same song for every.
0: I want to flip back quickly to just where you said earlier about um, how indie music—you feel like it doesn't express. Sometimes it just. To me, that is the problem with indie music right now. But that's not like that shouldn't. No, no, be, no,
1: no, no, not at, at all. Like, the whole like idea. You mentioned, of most you mentioned indie music. AM, and I've got a huge amount of respect for Arctic Monkeys and the. Um, I keep, I always forget the name of it. The last album,
0: Tranquility Base City. And, ha- yeah.
1: and how it's not really a very good album. But they tried something new. They had integrity. Yeah, to
0: Alex, try it. Alex Turner was <laughs> yeah.
1: Something like this is just boring. I'd much rather an album be bad but interesting. Then yeah. something like this, which is just very average, boring, timid. Yeah, and I mean, to make matters worse, and their drum was a Plymouth fan. Just, oh, oh, yeah, just yeah, everything yeah, about definitely. this, I just didn't like it.
0: The thing, the thing is, like, indie music stands out, and the reason why I've always liked it is because it is that idea that people try new styles. They try adding new sounds, they take a very con- simple concept, normally rock, and they add new ideas and new like, twists and takes on it. I mean, that is, I guess, at its core, what makes indie stand out. And a lot of the time, so like Catfish and the Bottom Man, they have a very distinctive sound, right? But it's then, uh, I'd say they do, but for their first album definitely, like you know it's a Catfish and the Bottom Man song. The problem is you don't know which one it is. Like it's the idea of you should be able to grow from that and do something different and new albums have new takes. Some albums are led by the drums. Some albums are led by this new sample that you found and suddenly made you want to go for a funk route. Like, it's the idea of being able to do lots, lots of different things. And to be fair, I'll give Foles credit for that because they, well, again, I'm not sure they really fall into indie, but like they are a good amalgamation of kind of mixing electronic into their music without completely yeah. taking away from what see, made I, them. I get
1: that point as well, because like, when you look back at the birth of indie in the 80s, we'll actually talk about this probably next week, little spoiler there, um, in the sense that You've got the bands like The Cure, Joy Division, New Order, The Smiths, where they took this predominantly rock sound and completely changed the guitar tones and added extras. Yeah. And that's what I expect from my indie. And then, like, you obviously can go into the Britpop side of things as well or whatever. Um, I like Arctic Monkeys, obviously, being and Foles being probably one of the big, two of the biggest bands of this style. But it's just something like this. is so timid. It's, um, it's B2C introducing style. That's literally yeah. early early 10s, not not massively now, but they still kind of do it. BBC introducing every fucking band sounded the exact same. And it was the same formula of songwriting. And they just pushed them and pushed them and pushed them. And that's why people just fell for it. And that's why a lot of good alternative bands often missed out it was purely because people just wanted to go for the cookie-cutter style.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, the problem I have as well is like, and this applies genre, like across the genre, is like my friend... For example, my mate sends me lots of indie music because it's one of his favourite genres. And it got to the point where I just had to be honest with him. I was like, mate, I've, I don't know if you've noticed, but this all just sounds the same. Like, there are all these different bands that are new and they're like, you know, it's four lads from Manchester. It's four lads from Bradford. It's three lads from, you know, just outside Newcastle. And their sound is just the same. Like,
1: yeah. it, it literally, the, the Anywhere Here's wonderful meme spawned from this, more or less. Yeah. Like everyone just wanted to be the same thing, and everyone wanted to, you know, have the same sound. And they all thought they could write songs like Oasis, and or they all thought they could write songs like Arctic Monkeys, yeah. or, and then they try and maybe make it a bit different by adding a synth here, and then you end up with this fucking album. Yeah, like, it's just forgettable. Well. Like, it's just, and the, like I said, the mainstream success baffles me. But again, at the same time, it
0: kind of does. Yeah, and it's weird because one of my one of my other like I don't love it as lot as lot of my mates do, but I really like the band Spectre. Who I would say are indie rock as well, and they are nowhere near this level of mainstream success. Nothing even close, and they are producing significantly better, more different, varied music. All their albums sound kind of different; they have individual styles, and like that's the kind that's what indie is about. That's what it should be. It should be kind of variation, development, and difference um, on this core theme of rock. Or pop, or whatever you yeah, want to do.
1: Yeah, like, if you look at like someone like King Cool, who we spoke about in our first episode, like he took a kind of indie style, but did it differently, and it's something that we definitely yeah. admired, even though we didn't weren't fully keen on the album. It was definitely something which we acknowledged as being done differently, and
0: yeah, trying I, I, something a bit different. To get back onto this, like onto this album individually, um, there's no doubting it has a couple of songs that, as I said. Like I enjoyed, like I, the same as most people who are probably listening to this, remember that summer. I remember listening to Pompeii. When I was in Cornwall about a year ago, Pompeii came on the radio. I was with my mates. Straight away, everyone's singing along, going AO, AAO, whatever it is. And it's great, you know? I have good memories to it. I have good memories to some of the other ones, Things We Lost in the Fire, Laura Palmer. But that doesn't always make them, I think I learned that doesn't always make them good songs. And especially when you listen to the whole album, you just kind of the album ends. And you don't really know. What the, you to. Also, the, sing- the singles get lost on the album because it's
1: all similar.
0: Yeah, there's four releases of this album.
1: Extended four versions, everything. Yeah, you can't even get the original version on fucking Spotify.
0: No, you have to. Li- we had to. We had to work out which was actually the last track and then stop listening to it there.
1: Oh, I was not listening to bonus tracks for this album for this review. <laughs> I was not
0: doing that. You can trust so me. That. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean. I wanted to really enjoy this because of the like memories I had. But then, I again, I did... I think this away. is one of those albums where a
1: lot of people haven't listened to the album. They go, oh, that's the one with Pompeii yeah. on it. So they're like, yeah. oh, it must be good, which is probably why it did quite well. Yeah, And then a lot of people just don't listen to it because 2013 people were still kind of buying some albums. It wasn't fully Spotify-driven and streaming
0: service. Yeah, properly. But yeah, I mean... You can probably tell if we're gonna save it or not. But <laughs> um, I just, I think mean, it's just a shame that I mean this album in particular but like in general like I think the, the idea of the choral vocals and stuff it's quite cool and I like his voice I think he does you know he he does have a good voice and it's nice and different and it could have been so much more than what it turned out to be. If You're Brave I Anyone out there who's feeling brave, go and listen to some of the newer Bastille stuff. Amos didn't, but I refuse did.
1: to, I refuse to because yeah. they've been promoting my Facebook and Instagram feed, and I'm just like, no. Fuck
0: if you're off. brave, go and go and listen to some of that and you will hear like I'd never even heard of there's two albums since. I'd never heard of either. Yeah,
1: they they fall off a cliff since kind of yeah. popularity. Go and listen those
0: it. and you'll kinda of be like, Oh. Oh, okay. Because there's a reason why you haven't heard of them since, pretty much.
1: Yeah, Um I could write a book on how many ways I can call this album shit, so I think it's probably about time we maybe move on to the final part.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd say we probably go on that. Okay, so welcome to the part of the podcast where Amos and I go through each album we've discussed today, and we talk about whether we're going to save them from the apocalypse or not. So this is where we pick... Whether we'd like to take these albums and scurry off into the bunker with them or whether we're going to just leave them. Relics of a a lost time. Or even Amos suggested in the first episode that we throw them at whatever the problem is. I'm not quite sure how you throw a record.
1: Doesn't Trump have shields up to stop us doing that?
0: Yeah, Trump may do. I was thinking more. I don't know how you throw a record at a virus, but Trump would probably actually try it. Maybe inject it.
1: Uh, A far-right Nazi protecting Winston Churchill.
0: Yeah. Christ, that would actually be quite satisfying. Slinger slinger copy of Bastille bad Blood. <laughs> have To
1: buy it first, that's the only problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are probably people giving it away. Um so first of all we
1: before that quickly, did you see the how much Bastille there's a I saw a fact on this complete off topic, but kind of Bastille's debut seven inch is selling for over £300 if you want to buy it second hand. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what?
0: Just in case anyone's unsure, 7-inch refers to the size of the record. It's not Amos describing anything to do with Dan Smith's undergear. Um, undergear. whatever you want to yeah. refer to that. Yeah, that is absurd. I think it because of a really limited release. or something Yeah, it was limited
1: to a few hundred or something, but still, absolutely baffling.
0: I wouldn't do as much damage either against Uh, them yeah what's the point yeah yeah not as satisfying be a waste of money um anyway first we talked about uh my choice which was skin by flume amos are you gonna save it
1: okay this is a hard one so based on the album musically no Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but from what you've told me and its impact culturally you kind of have to think it might be able to be saved in the sense that if it was just me on this podcast, I'd say no, because I haven't experienced this album culturally yeah. at all. Like so I said, it's it, very much. add it
0: really. some context, I think this and others, so there's uh, the album by Rufus that has Inner Bloom on That's Big, Hermitude, they have a couple of really good albums that really did like impact the culture in a similar way. Um, I'm really tall on this as well, because... I, if it was like I say, I think you said obviously it was you. You wouldn't. I think if it was just me. I probably would. But for me, again, also tie it to the theme. Obviously, the theme of summer. I think it it kind of hits that nail quite well in the head. Um, yeah.
1: Um. I. I mean, like I said, we didn't have any sun this week, so my opinion might be a bit different on it if I was lying in the garden sunbathing with a corona I some or something. Now, ironically, uh, when
0: yeah. Like <laughs>
1: <laughs> bloody typical isn't it but yeah it's it's a hard one because I, it didn't really click with me all the way through and there, like I said there were parts that I really liked the weirder stuff but that, that's my taste um, it has it's moments and it's just it is just one of these ones that do we just go off of or do I just go off of the cultural impact of it and stuff
0: um, I'm going to put this one in your hands oh fuck uh,
1: you know what it's our first electronic album, really, Yeah. that we've talked about. Um, I know I'll bring more ones in. As a gateway album, I think it's really good in the sense that if people were to go and look at what we've saved and see that as an electronic album, go and listen to it, it's definitely a gateway into... what I. If I were to bring in some of my more weirder stuff, it's definitely a gateway in that sense. And if we were to, say, in our bunker, let's say, have people who are not as um, expansive in their music taste as maybe me and you are, you wouldn't play them... Uh, really weird, oh, yeah. uh, was it wonky, wobbly, whatever, wonky, wonky. Uh, electronic album. Before, straight away, you'd probably play them something like this and ease them into it. And in that sense, because it is good in that sense, and from what you've told me for its cultural impact, and it's you've listened to it in the sun, I haven't. I'm going to be nice purely because I've saved all my hatred for one album
0: this week. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so that's that's it being saved. And I'm completely on board with that, obviously. Um, yeah, this album, a deck of VBs, slab of VBs even, slab of VBs, and a nice summer day. Wow. The Australian dream, mate. That's the Australian dream right
1: there. 100%. I think if we were to, like, have our social distance drinks in my garden, we'll put that on if it's sunny again, and we'll yeah, exactly. see my yeah. opinion changes. And it, like I said, we'll probably have some more sun now after we've done this Steve. so... No doubt, I'll go listen to it and I'll come back and give you my feedback after that as well. But
0: it's in the saving pile. It's a shame it never quite reached that point here, but in terms of its like popularity. But um, I'm glad that it's
1: it's the it's an album with songs that are the montages over people's festival clips and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Also,
0: Uh, we get to get some nice album art, which is always get a nice bit of color and get something to look at. Yeah. Um, so which song would you like to save? So we every week we basically save a song each and uh, they get put onto our Songs to be Saved playlist available on Spotify. Check it out. Um, it's a good way of kind of hearing what kind of stuff we've covered and it gives you a good introduction. So maybe if you haven't heard some of the older episodes, it gives you a good idea of like what went on and what we talked about. Um, so yeah, which song would you like to save, Amos?
1: I'm going to go off the basis that I think you're going to be saving one of the collaboration songs. So I'm going to pick the weirder one in Wolfuck, also because of the name itself. So I remember listening to this, when I first listened to it, I do essentially a blind listen, where I just put it on whether I'm walking or whether I'm playing some FIFA, Red Dead Redemption, Foot Manager, whatever, and I just stick it on, listen to it until it's finished. But if something piques my interest during that first listen, I'll check out that song and note it down in, uh, in my head. And that was the first song that properly piqued my interest before I even know it was called Wolfuck, so yeah, yeah. Wolfuck.
0: so for me I have a couple that I quite liked you're right it's one with a feature so I was torn because I really like You Know with Raekwon um and I like Lose It a lot obviously with Vic Mensa as well both the singles Never Be Like You and Say It I think I'm gonna have to go for Never Be Like You though um because I just think it's just such a great such a great song this is obviously the one that was number one um and it has like that kind of i guess um semblance to it The i guess the other thing as well is did you know this album i realized this may be our first grammy winning album
1: Strong chances I don't, see, Grammys, I don't
0: think
1: oasis uh, did we picked oh, uh, uh my chemical romance maybe
0: yeah that could have yeah yeah, this won the Grammy, so it's pretty impressive. Prodigy didn't win one, I don't think, because they got quite mixed on that. So. Yeah, no, yeah, that probably wouldn't have. I definitely didn't. But yeah, this is this won the Grammy, which I should have mentioned yeah. earlier. Um, so, next, you brought to the table NERD in search of. <clears throat> I think this one doesn't need much discussion. Uh, straight
1: in. Um, That's being saved. First Pharrell album, then probably won't be our last Pharrell album, uh, album in I wouldn't have thought um, but yeah um, and I like I said if, if you do like if you do I mean you, you probably all, you should all know who Pharrell Williams is and if you haven't heard this just go and listen to it you might you might not quite vibe with it you might um, and just listen to any idea as well if you to any idea because they're quite unique in their sound I think compared to a lot of yeah.
0: I love so much of what Pharrell does and this is a big part of that so yeah this is no doubt going in what song would you like to save? Um yeah, There's just one
1: for me on this one. Uh, it's Rockstar
0: Nice. Okay, um, that but, was my choice. But my
1: backup, oh, finally my
0: backup got... is actually the song before. Am I high? Uh,
1: nice. Good. Good oh, variation. Okay. Then so we've got it, the well, uh, yeah slightly harder song and then a slightly slower song going in as well.
0: Yeah, well, I like that song as well. I do. It was just um, it's got a
1: really cool melody in it where it's, I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. replicate because I can't sing. But it's the, the way he yeah, sings. Totally Am I high? Like
0: prime, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, so that one's going in as well so we've saved two off there and saved that album now then, this is going to be really hard to decide, I don't know what's going to happen here we might run out of toilet paper, here.
1: so I'm thinking we might need to save it
0: Mate, I'm not wiping my ass with a vinyl can you imagine that? <laughs> don't get me wrong I don't like this album, but I'm not that desperate um, what do you think? Definitely not saving, I'm assuming. Yeah, not a chance. Okay, this is being thrown at a protester. Um, I like how this has kind of evolved from an apocalypse to an anti-far-right <laughs> kind of...
1: I, I, you know, I wouldn't even throw it at them. I'd just make them
0: listen to it. Uh, would be, yeah, longer pain. Yeah. then Make them listen to the most extended version. Does that which, go again? Believe okay? it or not, is an hour and 25 yeah. minutes.
1: But that might we'll go against the Geneva Connect
0: convention. Album.
1: Get done for war crimes if I make
0: people listen to this album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tommy and his mates can have this. Um, so, that's not being saved, but we do have to both save a song. What are you saving, Amos?
1: I was going to ask this one to you. Can I save one of the remixes of Pompeii?
0: <laughs> no.
1: All right, then I'm just going to save Pompeii. Damn it, that was what I wanted to
0: do. <laughs> Um, because it's the only one but Yeah
1: it's literally That's the only reason I was going for it, it And the, the actual remixes Of it aren't that bad yeah, all I, right.
0: don't, I don't hate this song I like this song um, I'm going to say <laughs> Fuck uh, I should have known You'd do that
1: but It was, yeah, it was say, an
0: easy choice I hate things we lost In a fire so much I hate that with a passion I, I, uh,
1: I am I fire, fire.
0: Um, Icarus annoys me as well um, it's really annoying. I was going to say this.
1: There's no interlude that you could save and just like.
0: No, short yeah. Short. Uh, I'm going to save Laura Palmer. Laura Palmer. Because oh. it's a reference to Twin Peaks and that's about it. It's a bit um, different. It's a slightly different song. Just a tad. Is it? Uh, okay. Yeah. It'll we'll be we'll nice. a So we have saved this week. Amos, do you want to. Call uh, so please? you saved
1: Never Be Like You and I saved Woolfuck from Flume. Uh, you saved "Am I High" and I saved "Rockstar" from NERD, and then both through gritted teeth we saved Laura, Laura Palmer and Pompeii uh, from the Bastille album.
0: Uh, yeah, so just actually two albums. I thought it was only one this week, but two. Just about, yeah. It's, way it's, you right. Plume, which is good. I think we we put Flume in for end. its
1: cultural impact. We said at the start we are going to won't just put albums in because they're good. We'll put them in because of
0: yeah. You elements. have to. You have to. I mean, down. and again, that's if anything, that's what's. Stood so much against the bad, uh, the Bastille album as well, because it, it, it a calculates a point. lot
1: of what we don't like. I, like
0: I say, go back, listen to it again, think about how average it sounds now. Think Especially about.
1: Especially it, it opens with Pompeii as well, so it's like. Yeah.
0: It's actually, oh, it here's with, our they, single.
1: Yeah.
0: See you later. Yeah. We hope you like thirty-eight minutes of it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean. I guess is now is the point where we can talk about next week's show. Um, So we will be posting all of this stuff on our Instagram. That's at albums, the apocalypse, our Facebook. Um, Instagram is definitely the best way to interact with us. We're always on there, always active. Uh, We post all our albums. That's where we take suggestions for the themes. So that's how we managed to get the suggestion of Bad Blood, um, Bastille. So cheers for that, Owen. You bastard. really not done well by you has he no he steals
1: all my <laughs> picks and then gives gives me this album
0: yeah um so next week's theme amos and i have decided we're going to do something a little bit different amos do you want to kind of go through the theory a little bit
1: yeah so we're, we've been talking about it that like we haven't really picked any older albums like the only album we picked from before we were born was um oasis. oh it's like the only album we've ever picked from the 90s was oasis i think yeah. Uh, so we've been wanting to kind of like delve into some older albums and then we kind of had the discussion about potentially doing the 80s as a whole but then we realized how broad that is and how good a decade of music it was so we've decided to um, start a mini sort of series that will do we'll come back to every few episodes it won't be like a um, episodic thing it'll be we'll come back to it and where we go through each year from the 80s uh, discussing albums and relevance to uh, along those lines, so we're going to start off in chronological order. We're going to start with 1980, um, probably one of the least uh, varied. I mean, there is there is definitely variation in there, but if you look at like yeah. the late something 80s, something
0: that's going to be interesting through this, I think, is we can kind of talk about how mainstream music in general, but like how the kind of genres start to splinter off a oh, lot yeah. during this decade. Like the, the
1: 80s um, very much was a very defining decade in terms of where we are now with music. I think in terms of how split everything is like jack said um you obviously had the rise of rap and hip hop in the 80s electronic music indie music punk music everything started in the 80s pretty much so
0: yeah like you say first week is 1980 so go and have a look on wikipedia
1: yeah um if, so, you know, if you know a band from 80s just literally just send us their band name and we'll just pick their album if it was released in 1980
0: yeah so yeah you can go on um there's a page which literally just albums released in 1980 have a flick through there if you want Pick one in, submit it via the um, – we'll post a thing on Instagram in the next couple of days, submit it on there, or just DM us, um, whatever you want. We can take up to three suggestions, so don't be afraid. If you see a load that you like, don't be afraid to stick them yeah, in. Yeah, and then we'll do the draw. Draws every week, live, 6 p.m. Friday nights. Uh, Friday, night. Wednesday nights, sorry.
1: Oh, 6 <laughs> p.m., um, uh, that's fine. I was going to say Premier League's back on Wednesday, but that starts at like 7 o'clock. So
0: yeah, it'll be okay. But yeah, so we're looking forward to seeing what you guys suggest And we will be announcing our picks on the Thursday as well Yeah, so, so we're, we're
1: holding off on our picks just to see what sort of suggestions we get Because yeah, we obviously don't want to all pick ACDC or something like that A <laughs> little hint on yeah. what you can suggest that.
0: Yeah, there Yeah, there's an example um, But yeah, we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode um, Anything you'd like to add before we go and get in what is left of this sun?
1: Uh, I don't think so um, Owen uh, you need to buy me something before I let you back on the podcast. That's pretty much it. You, you, need to, you need to buy my love now. It's not, it's not unconditional. Remunitations are needed. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll figure something
0: out, won't we, mate? Yeah. Right. right cheers. Cheers and gone.